Welcome to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast, a place where hungry minds discuss all things evidence-based nutrition, fitness, mindset, and healthy living. We're your hosts, registered dietitian and nutritionists, Courtney, Darian, and Hannah. Let's dive in. The information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only, so always speak to a healthcare provider such as a registered dietitian who can work with you directly about your unique healthcare needs. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nutrition Unpeeled podcast. Today, we're talking all about holiday eating tips uh, moving into the Christmas season. Um, So with the holiday upon us, there's this opportunity to enjoy traditional foods or seasonal indulgences with family and friends. So in this podcast, we're going to uncover our top nutrition and lifestyle tips to balance your health and wellness while enjoying the foods that make the holiday season so special. For the format of today's podcast, it's going to be a little bit different. Instead of going back and forth with the tips that we're sharing, we're actually going to focus on each dietitian's unique flair to our holiday seasonal tips. So we're going to start with Darian's tips to navigate the holiday season, and then we'll move into my tips. Um, And then um, Hannah has some unique tips as well. And of course, we all share a similar philosophy, but we thought it would be interesting to kind of share the experiences that each of us has had with our clients and things that were supporting our clients with um, through this holiday season. Yeah, I was excited for this episode because I know the holidays and nutrition can kind of be a tricky um, space to navigate for many people and a lot of the clients we see. So um, and it doesn't have to be, right? The holidays are a place or a time of enjoyment and connecting with your family and friends and food is one way to do that. So I'm excited to dive into um, some of the concepts we share with clients regularly and things we practice in our own uh, holiday nutrition as well. The holidays are such a great time to share so many things, and one of the best things ever is sharing food. Um, so I'm super excited to learn from you guys, too, because maybe I'll pick up some tips along the way for myself. Um, but Darian, do you want to maybe dive in? Yeah. My first tip I often think about is fueling your body during the day. And what I mean by this is we can kind of get trapped, and I know I've been there personally, in that mindset of, quote unquote, saving your calories for later in the day. Maybe, you know, you have that big meal coming up, so you kind of get stuck down the thought path of, oh, you know, I'm probably going to eat all my calories for supper, so I don't need breakfast or lunch or snacks. But what ends up happening is you are ravenous by the end of the day, so you end up over eating or eating past discomfort, it's not a super great feeling. So, you know, start your day with your usual protein-rich breakfast. Um, Balance your meals so that your blood sugars are stable and you can monitor your hunger levels throughout the day so that you really are going to be enjoying that meal later in the day and just eating what is feeling um, good for you. Yeah, I love this tip. I often explain it to clients a bit like a pendulum. Like if we think of a pendulum swinging, mm-hmm. if we're so hungry and that pendulum swinging to one side, it has nowhere to go but to swing hard to the other mm-hmm. side, which might be being too full. So yeah. the solution exactly as Darian shared, is to continue to eat throughout the day. So you're kind of oscillating between hunger and fullness and you're never going to like either end of the extreme. And of course, we still want to be hungry for our holiday meal. Like food tastes better when we're hungry, but it's just keeping up with your fueling strategy throughout the day. So you're not so hungry that you overeat either for like a physical reason or even like a psychological reason where you've been restricting all day long. 
Yeah, totally. And I think like, you know, we all have been there when we're too hungry and when we're too full and neither of those feel great. So mm. there's no point in restricting earlier in the day because that will make us not feel great. And then we know we're going to end up not feeling great when we're trying to go to bed in the evening because we just went way too hard. My second tip is to embrace movement that feels good. I mean, honestly, you can bet I'll be working out over the holidays. And this is just because it's something that it's in my routine. It makes me feel good. It supports my digestion. It supports my sleep. It also supports my mood. So I'm a happy person around my family over the holidays. But this doesn't mean I'm punishing my body or you're punishing your body or trying to make up for any extra food that might be coming in. Maybe this form of movement isn't a hard workout. It's a gentle walk with your dog that you get to see when you're home for the holidays. That's me. <laughs> um, or, you know, you're connecting with a family member and having that social aspect through that gentle movement, find something that's enjoyable to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that one. And I think, you know, for many people, definitely myself, like you, Darian, mm -hmm. that movement is an anchor habit for me. So whether it is a workout that mm -hmm. I'm squeezing in or maybe it's just a walk with family, yeah. it feels good to yeah. stay moving and get outside. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, also, if you don't work out, it's not the end of the world either. Right? Yeah, totally. My third tip is to prioritize the foods you love. I often say this to clients and I say, you know, it's okay to be picky with the foods that you're eating if it's in a way that's really bringing enjoyment to that meal. I think sometimes we get caught up in all of these foods are available for me, so I have to try all of them. And you know what? That's fine. But also if you take a moment to think, you know, you know what? I actually don't love mashed potatoes, so I think I'm okay if I pass them up because I love my grandma's peanut butter marshmallow squares. Yeah, well, speaking of marshmallows, no offense, grandma, but she makes this salad that I'm just not a fan of. A marshmallow salad, but it's still a salad. Um, and I find myself always taking a bit, like pretending like I like it, but I really don't. And like I'd way rather double up my portion of stuffing or something else that I love. So I love that tip, Darian. Yeah, there's a quote I often share with clients during the holiday season, and it's by Evelyn Triboli. And she says, if you don't love it, don't eat it. And if you love it, savor it. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a great quote. And it just encourages us to really, you know, be intentional with the foods that we love, enjoy those foods. And exactly as Darian said, maybe you're reflective like, ah, oh, this food isn't my favorite, or this is a food I have any time of year. It might be not be one that I'm prioritizing. And it's more than okay to be picky. So Darian, What's that number one food that you love or find like so special to enjoy over the holiday season? Yeah, for me, that is my grandma's peanut butter marshmallow squares. Um, unfortunately, she passed away a couple of years ago, though. So now I try and re re recreate them every holiday season. Um, and that even that piece of recreating them and enjoying them really brings that connection for me. Yeah. Hannah, what about you? Um, as I alluded to, stuffing. Can't say no to some good old stuffing with some gravy and cranberry sauce mixed in. Mm, so good. <laughs> Love that. Court, what's um, yours? I think mine, we, we make these, mount, they're called mountain cookies in our family, and we actually have the recipe on the mm. blog. I posted it last year, um, but they have a few different elements to them, so my mom and I always make them together, and they're really tasty. So I would say that's um, like a particular cookie that I always look forward to enjoying, so that might be mine. Next 
tip is to resume quote-unquote normal nutrition. And what I mean by this is just get back to your normal meals the next day. It doesn't mean you have to restrict just because maybe you did end up having a little bit more. Get back to your normal balanced meals, prioritize protein, carbs, fats that are fueling you and those foods that are bringing that alignment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A quote that I often share with clients, and I don't love how the quote is stated, but it often really lands with clients. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to share it. Um, The quote is never miss twice. And this actually comes from the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. And essentially what he's saying with this quote is like, you don't have to be perfect when you're making progress towards a goal. So maybe you do have some health-related goals. So you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be consistent. And so what he means by this is just like veer right back to the choices that serve you, like Darian said, that normal nutrition. Um, Why I don't love the quote is like, I feel like never miss twice would imply that holiday eating is like a Mm -hmm. miss and you made a mistake when really how I like to explain it to clients is, Foods serve us in different ways. Like a holiday meal is kind of serving that value of connection with yeah. family versus maybe like a high protein breakfast, which is more, you know, in alignment to goals you have with energy or like, you know, supporting your workouts or yeah. whatever it might be. So it's just understanding how foods fit different purposes. And when it comes to like our health and wellness, all we have to do is be consistent and just kind of jump back um, into our normal eating when we're able to. Absolutely. And I think too, it's like when you maybe have multiple holiday meals across the holiday spectrum, it is nice to kind of sprinkle in some of that quote unquote normal eating that you know genuinely makes you feel really fueled as well. Yeah. And this kind of to like piggyback on that, Darian, this might be kind of unique to different people and this might not apply everywhere. But a conversation I had with a client who had tons of holiday events is to be a little bit choosy, maybe in how she approaches them. So she shared how it's like she has all these work events and like her husband's Christmas party. And it just feels like a lot sometimes. So she decided it would serve her to maybe be like intentional at a couple Mm -hmm. of the events where she's kind of more sticking to her normal eating routines at some of these like work get togethers. And then some of the events that are more special to her might be a time um, where she is less structured in her eating and just kind of like embracing the shift in routine at that particular meal. So I'm not sure what you guys think about that. Yeah, totally. And I think that, you know, the normal eating or balanced meals, like those can still look a little bit different during the holiday season, but we can kind of still be true to our health goals or our goals or what just makes us feel good in general. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we often talk about different food groups and how to pair foods together. And I often say to clients when they're navigating through a lot of social eating, like you said, Courtney, when it's really frequent is just aim at least to have something from each food group Mm -hmm. um, on your plate. So the food groups Mm -hmm. we often talk about would be, you know, a fiber filled carb, a fat, a protein and some volume or some veggies. Um, And, you know, that way we're kind of meeting in the middle of maybe it doesn't look exactly like what you eat at home, but you're still able to enjoy yourself and still be in alignment with your goals. Mm -hmm. My last tip here is probably one of my favorite ones, and it's a little bit maybe non-traditional what you think or expect from a holiday eating tip, but it's build a diverse microbiome. Okay, so what does it mean to have a diverse microbiome and why is that important moving into the holiday season? Yeah, so by creating a variety in diversity in our microbiome, it translates into a greater ability to digest a wider range of foods. So for example, if we never consume dairy, 
we aren't going to have the bacteria in our gut that are adjusted to break down dairy. So when we don't have dairy or when, when we don't have dairy and then introduce it, it might not sit as well. However, if it was something that was consumed more regularly, those bacteria are cultivated in our gut and we might feel better when we have it. Yeah, I think for, you know, a lot of people, maybe they've heard like it's healthy to, Mm -hmm. you know, be gluten free or dairy free. And while there's certainly a place to, you know, avoid these foods for some people if they have an intolerance, an allergy, or maybe it's like a cultural preference, um, like there is that place. But for a lot of people, if they can include them, we Mm -hmm. want them to like we want our clients to have flexibility in what they consume. Um, And as Darian said, when we're eating these foods all season long, we have those um, bacteria in our gut that are able to digest and break it down. Mm -hmm. So then we don't feel so off from a holiday meal that maybe has foods we wouldn't normally consume. Definitely. I feel like even personally, um, back in my own nutrition journey, like before I even was in school to become a dietitian, I definitely was like, okay, I think I need to cut out dairy or gluten. And I can think back to those holiday seasons when, yeah, I would have a lot of food and I probably wouldn't feel super great because I feel like my body maybe wasn't used to some of those foods that I now was introducing. Um, Fast forward today where I do eat a very wide variety in my own personal diet. I know going into the holidays that if I'm having some extra dairy or some just extra delicious foods, I know my body is going to be well tolerated to help break down and digest those foods. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think that's like a very liberating experience Mm -hmm. too, right? To know that you're going into a holiday and that you are going to be able to enjoy foods without feeling sick Mm -hmm. because you've kind of been working on it the whole year round. Okay, so those were some of my top holiday tips, but Courtney, let's move through your tips and see some of your thoughts and what you might have to add on to what I said. Yeah. Well, first of all, I absolutely um, agree with everything that you shared, Darian, but a few things that come to mind to maybe add on. So my first tip is to stay consistent with your anchor habits. So an anchor habit to me just means that habit that really grounds you and makes you feel great. It's a habit that you don't even kind of think twice about in your daily routine. It's just something you do. And I know for myself personally, if I can stay consistent with some of those anchor habits, it makes me feel better physically, but it just kind of keeps me connected to something steady when my routine's often changing quite Mm -hmm. a lot through the holiday season. So it makes me just feel like a a bit more calm and grounded. So Courtney, what are some of your anchor habits? Yeah, so I would say my personal anchor habits would for sure be keeping up with my walking. I love walking, being outside, getting that movement in. Um, So I do like to monitor my steps on my smartwatch. So usually I'll, you know, continue to focus on getting about 10,000 steps each day. So that's a big one for me. And then lately doing a little journal in the morning has been something consistent in my routine. And so that's something that I'll move through and stay consistent with through the holiday season. Um, I know I might, you know, be in different environments. And so Mm -hmm. having that part of my routine that I can always come back to. It just feels really good for me. Mm -hmm. I like that you mentioned like a different environment too, because it is, um, I think it's pretty empowering to find those habits that you can kind of carry with you anywhere, right? Regardless of the setting you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was actually talking about this concept with a client just yesterday when we were discussing, you know, how she might approach the holiday season because she was feeling a little bit nervous. So we talked about some of her anchor habits. And for her, she realized she's like, a high protein breakfast makes me feel so good. It's so easy to do anywhere I go, whether I'm eating out at a restaurant or I'm at like a holiday brunch, like Mm -hmm. it seems to 
to be easy to pick out those protein foods. So she's like, that's something I really feel like I want to stick with through the holiday season. And that almost gave her this sense of confidence. Like she sticks with that high protein breakfast and then she feels more empowered for through the remainder of the day to make choices that serve her. Um, but do you guys have any anchor habits that you would kind of think about as you move into the holiday season? Yeah, well, I really like that you shared walking. And mm -hmm. I think for me, it would be just any type of movement um, to be consistently done throughout the holidays, which Darian, you kind of like mentioned too. But, you know, I might be in between like my mom's house, my house and things like that. So the equipment and environment's going to be different, but whatever there is available, I know for myself, something that just makes me feel a lot better, a lot more clear and grounded is to move my body in some way for, you know, 30 minutes most days of the week. Mm -hmm. um, so that's definitely something that I would be doing no matter the time of year. But I think when everything else is a little bit different, um, it's good to have something like that to go back to. Mm -hmm. Mine... I mean, definitely walking, but this is one I always joke with clients on, but it's honestly just drinking a glass of water before my cup of coffee. There's something about that that I just feel so good about and I challenge a lot of clients to do and they always like laugh at me and say how challenging it actually can be. But I mean, that's an easy one. I mean, you can probably find a glass of water wherever you are. So. Yeah. And I feel like it's two parts. It's like the mindset of, you know, mm -hmm. I did something to take care yes. of myself and I had that consistency in my routine, but then there's probably some physical health benefits yeah. as well. Like you're hydrating your body Definitely. and, you know, supporting your digestion. So yeah, oftentimes these anchor habits are two parts. It's like mm -hmm. one for our mindset too. It probably helps our body physically. Another tip that I have for clients is just to consider the effect of our environment on our food choices. So I think that, you know, it's really fun to munch and nibble on the selection of appetizers and cookies and chocolates that might be around the home. Like, you know, eating and trying things with your family and like connecting over the food is just very enjoyable. However, if you notice at a holiday event, maybe you're kind of nibbling and grazing and it's becoming mindless and maybe you're not even like noticing the flavors or enjoying the food and you just recognize like, hey, this isn't serving me, just recognize that it's, you know, very common if you're within arm's reach of food to just kind of keep snacking on it. Like mm -hmm. that's nothing to be ashamed of. That just happens. So maybe if you find this habit is getting a bit mindless for you, you just situate yourself in a different part of the room. Maybe you visit in the living room away from the spread of foods on the island in the kitchen and just consider, you know, environment is really impactful on our food choices. So we can be really intentional um, with how we build our environments or where we situate ourselves in the environment at a holiday event. I know with the holiday time more than any other time of the year, I feel like people are really showing their love through food, which is so awesome. But that also leads to like, oftentimes, at least in my family, food being constantly out. So, you know, before Christmas dinner, there's nuts and cookies and mm -hmm. chips on the counter at my grandma's house. And then after supper, all of a sudden, the more potato chips come out and more food and like, that's so awesome. And it's awesome to have such an abundance of food and to share over that. But I think sometimes exactly what you said, Courtney, is just like, oh, well, it's here. So I guess I'll eat it versus like, oh, maybe if I didn't have 
you know, this big snack right before my Christmas dinner, I'd actually enjoy all those awesome things in my dinner a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know, like, kind of to piggyback on that, I love feeling, you know, not too hungry, but still hungry for a holiday meal because when we're hungry, our taste buds literally light up brighter. Mm -hmm. So I know, like, I'm always kind of careful with appetizers Mm -hmm. because as much as I love them, I'm like, I really want to enjoy this holiday meal. So it's just that intention and kind of thinking about, like, what serves you and kind of coming back to, like, what you enjoy and how you want to feel through the event. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. So another tip I have for clients is to pause halfway through the meal. And so a pause halfway through the meal just gives you a chance to evaluate your hunger and fullness cues. How much more do you need to keep eating to reach that like pleasant feeling of fullness versus that uncomfortable level of fullness? Um, And something that can help with this as well is just slowing down our eating. Um, Again, so we can gauge those hunger and fullness cues, but also just so that we're really savoring and enjoying Mm -hmm. what we're eating. I know I come from a family of fast eaters, so I have a habit of eating quite quickly and sometimes all of a sudden my plate of food's gone. It's like, what happened? I don't even remember eating some of this stuff. So to just slow down, take those pauses, have a sip of water, it perhaps will help you enjoy the special foods even more. But then also, like I said, reach that pleasant fullness versus Mm -hmm. uncomfortable fullness. And, you know, it might be easier than you think because during the holidays, you're definitely going to be conversing more at the dinner table. And I think that on its own will actually allow you to be aware of how you're feeling and take those pauses as needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And truthfully, this is just like a great tip any time of the mm-hmm. year. Um, so I know I have a few clients who, who are working more on these types of eating behaviors, identifying that they're quick eaters and practicing slowing down and paying attention to those hunger and fullness cues. So another tip I have is to let go of limiting identities. So this is more from the perspective of mindset. But a lot of times I'll have clients who say like, I always overeat at like a holiday meal and I feel guilty and I feel awful and uncomfortable. So they're almost like setting themselves up for that experience because they believe that is fundamentally who they are and that they can't change it. So oftentimes I'm just planting this seed. Like, do you believe it's possible to have a new experience over the holidays, to enjoy your favorite foods and finish um, the event feeling like satisfied and like you connected with the people who you wanted to connect with? And so just identifying or noticing those limiting identities and being open to have a new experience, I think is really important. And it's kind of like the backbone of all of these tips is believing that you can approach the holiday seasons Mm -hmm. and really enjoy it and have a good experience with food. Totally. And I think like a really great kind of almost exercise to do around that would be like reframing, right? So Courtney, you said you're planting the seed and then it's like, Maybe even write out or reflect how would you ideally want to approach the holiday season? What would you feel like? What would that look like? Um, And, you know, even if it doesn't seem like that's a genuine possibility at the moment, if you're kind of planting that seed and really expanding on it, you might be surprised of how even a small shift could really help you navigate that in a way that is more in alignment with what you want. Mm -hmm. I love that, Hannah. And and kind of just like a seed, if we plant a seed, we're not expecting the next day it's this Mm -hmm. tree bearing fruit. That's much like our mindset. So we might have this vision of what we want the holiday season to be like 
for us eventually. But this holiday season, maybe it's just like a little bit of a shift towards that. Mm -hmm. So maybe you feel a little bit more confident in how you approached it and how you felt. Um, And over time, with more and more practice, it'll get easier and, and you'll feel really confident with the approach that works for you. Totally. My next tip is to consider how you want to enjoy alcohol or whether you want to enjoy alcohol. So I want to say first off that, you know, a lot of people decide that they don't want to drink, but maybe they struggle to set that boundary for themselves. And setting boundaries is very difficult. But I'm just here to say, like, if you decide that drinking isn't for you, um, I think it's more than okay to say a simple like, no, thanks. I'm deciding not to drink tonight. And that is awesome. However, some people love enjoying alcohol and that really enhances the experience, but maybe they're just like struggling to find that balance um, in terms of like how much makes them feel their best. So a couple tips that I've found worked really well for my clients is to set a boundary for how many drinks they want to have before they go into the event. So I know once we, you know, start enjoying alcohol, it's a little bit more tricky to set that boundary Mm -hmm. because like we're enjoying ourselves. But maybe if we identify like no more than three glasses of wine is our limit, we can set that ahead of time and then we're better able to kind of like spread that those three glasses out across the night um, and to be a little bit more disciplined with sticking to that like boundary or that commitment um, that we know is going to serve us. Totally. And I often say to clients to choose when the alcohol is going to enhance your experience. Mm -hmm. So I use this example and I kind of say it lightly, but I know for myself, like having a, you know, a cider at supper or something like that. If I'm not actually feeling the effects of alcohol, um, if you're of legal drinking age, then it doesn't actually add to my experience. And I would just be as happy having some water or maybe like a sparkling water or a diet pop or whatever I choose Um, versus, you know, if I'm kind of going in and I'm going to have a few drinks and I'm going to feel those effects of alcohol to me, then that's actually adding to my experience. And so that's when I would more so choose to have those drinks versus like just one off at supper or a cocktail at a party. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then again, if a client is deciding to drink, there's some considerations that we can make when it comes to hydration because often like the negative effects of alcohol are more due to dehydration yeah. than anything else. And so oftentimes I'll challenge clients to have a glass of water for every drink that they decide to have. And that just helps to offset some of the dehydrating effects of alcohol. And then if maybe you did set like a limit for yourself, it also helps like stretch those drinks out mm-hmm. across the night because you are drinking water between. In addition to rehydrating with fluids, we can also consider how electrolytes support our hydration. So a lot of clients find it really helpful to supplement with electrolytes when they choose to drink. So of course we can get electrolytes through food, but a tip I'll often share with clients if they choose to drink is to have an electrolyte supplement before they go to bed and then again in the morning. So a popular brand we can find here in Canada or Saskatchewan is the Noon Tablets. So you might just decide to have one of those in water before you go to sleep and then another one in the morning. And that tends to offset some of the symptoms um, of dehydration that we often experience when we drink. So headache, low energy, feeling a bit sluggish. If we can get our fluid and electrolyte intake restored, oftentimes we don't feel those effects so much. 
So one more thing I will share with alcohol, and it actually kind of um, bridges on this point Darian shared earlier about identifying the foods you love and savoring them. Um, I was talking with a client yesterday, and she was sharing how she always just had cocktails over the holiday season just because that's what she always did. But she actually thought about it, and she's like, cocktails do nothing for me like I just really don't enjoy them and she talked about she's like for my husband like he loves a craft beer that's like his chocolate cake it's his favorite thing but for me it's like it really just doesn't bring that much enjoyment to the event so she's like actually I don't think like I'm going to really have a cocktail over the holiday season so again that's just a personal choice but it's a reflection that she had on you know choosing the foods or the beverages that she really enjoys um, and savors. So my next tip is to focus beyond the food. So as we talked about, like food is such an enjoyable part of the holiday season. And like I know for me and my family, it really does make the holidays special. However, I think that sometimes when we're only focused on the food, whether it's like planning meals or thinking about food all day long, it creates this preoccupation with food. And then we maybe miss out on some of the other special activities um, that we could be enjoying or would enjoy during the holiday season. What are some of your favorite non-food activities? Yeah, I think there's so many for me when I start to think about it. Like, I love driving around and looking at Mm -hmm. Christmas lights in Saskatoon. Um, Lately, me and my sister have been making homemade Christmas decorations every year, so I look forward to that. I love watching Christmas movies and playing board games with friends. And honestly, like, just when I'm at a holiday event, too, or like a, a family supper, I really like being intentional and trying to talk to every single family member and connect with them. So I'm not only thinking about the food I'm eating, but I'm actually, like, catching up with family that I only get to see, you know, a couple times a year. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I know for me, um, where my mom lives right now, just outside of um, our hometown, they, our neighbors all get together and we create this huge hockey rink on this little lake by our house. And, um, you know, I'd say most of the holidays end up being surrounded by having a bonfire and being out on the rink for the entire day. And it really shifts the focus away from Um, food and more on like that connecting with each other, playing games, kind of getting outside and enjoying the fresh air as well. I love that. Yeah. And I think that if you know you are anxious going into the holiday season or you have anxiety around food for whatever reason that is, um, it's very easy to get stuck on just thinking of, oh my gosh, I'm anxious. I need to navigate all this food stuff versus if we kind of are looking beyond the food, then that is really Again, kind of giving us space to reframe the holidays into something that's maybe less anxiety provoking. So it's not that we're just thinking of what is going to go wrong or what will I have to do that's going to be hard. Um, But it's more of like, yeah, what am I getting from this season? Because there's so much amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hannah, do you have any special holiday traditions or activities that you look forward to? I feel like... You know, it almost starts, well, for me, it started in, um, you know, early November, late October this year, but just decorating um, for (laughs) Christmas. I have had my Christmas tree up for an ungodly amount of time already. Um, But so decorating for like the season, um, this one is kind of around food, but I love baking Mm -hmm. and I love sharing that food and that baking with everybody. So of course I'm going to have some myself, but then also giving it to loved ones and friends. Um, And then also last year, my mom and myself, um, we went tobogganing a few times, like, which was pretty fun. And also what a workout, man. I'm, you know, in the gym quite often, but my glutes really felt it after that. Oh my gosh. We did that last (laughs) year too. It was so much fun. Highly recommend that activity. That's for sure. Yeah. 
So my final tip is to build a resilient metabolism. And this, again, is a non-traditional holiday tip, much like Darian's tip to build a diverse microbiome. Um, So this is really like a tip that's focused on the long game versus a tip that maybe you're going to embrace immediately. But what it means to build a resilient metabolism really for me me is two things. One, it's eating enough all year round. Mm -hmm. If we're constantly restricting our caloric intake or dieting, our metabolism is going to be downregulated. So when we do have a large meal, our body isn't used to oxidizing that amount of food. So it might sit heavy and we might not feel well. But if we are eating enough all year long, and I mean, there might be phases where people are intentionally, you know, losing weight. And that's something that we would be discussing one-on-one with clients. But if we are eating enough all year long, our metabolism's able to buffer like a day of higher intake quite easily. Like we see that we oxidize that energy and usually our body releases as it it as heat. So people with resilient metabolisms kind of turn into little furnaces when maybe they have a day where they eat a little bit more. Or you might find... um, that you're just burning that extra energy off. So your body has this natural inclination to move and fidget and burn that energy off. Those are signs of a resilient metabolism. Mm -hmm. So what are some other ways that maybe you can support building that resilient metabolism throughout the year? Yeah. Again, this is the long game, but it's building muscle. So strength training um, is going to increase your metabolic rate. Um, And so when you have more muscle, again, just a higher metabolic rate. So you have the capacity to eat more um, and your body can easily utilize that, Mm -hmm. uh, those calories as energy. So those are some of my top holiday tips, but Hannah, I'm really curious for your angle on approaching the holidays because I know you support a lot of clients with their food relationship. Yeah, for sure. So I'm coming up in the caboose here, so big pressure. Um, But my very first tip is to focus on enjoyment. And this is kind of interlaced into what Courtney and Darian have already said. But, you know, many of our favorite foods come out that this time of year. And so when we really love the taste of something, it can be super tempting to scarf it down. Um, And if we can really try to slow down and savor the flavors and we're going to enjoy it, then that's going to make us just feel a lot better all around. And, you know, as Darian said of picking the foods that you really love to savor, sometimes when we're working on our food relationship and things like that, those foods can sometimes be the scariest foods. Um, And so if we, you know, give ourselves permission to eat them and to enjoy them and really slow down with them, then that puts us in a better position mindset-wise and also physically um, to navigate those eating experiences, even if they are kind of complicated with our food relationship. I think it's an amazing time to challenge those foods and to challenge ourselves because we're around loved ones and also it's just such a yummy yummy time of the year yeah so my second tip is to not skip meals and snacks so you know it can be tempting to save our calories for later but we know this will usually lead to blood sugar crashes and then that will lead us to eating past the point of comfortable fullness Um, And so, you know, blood sugars is something that we talk about quite a bit at Vitality. Um, But what really, when I explain it to clients, I think about blood sugars synonymous with our energy levels or how we're feeling. So when we eat, our body is going to use that fuel to energize us. And we can really be intentional in the way we eat to support our energy levels and the way we feel. 
Yeah, I love this tip, Hannah. I think it's one about like eating consistently. But like you said, with the blood sugars, we can even maybe bring an intention to how we're building our plate. So I know in our family, I kind of introduced this like holiday brunch of Kodiak cake waffles, which are like a higher protein Mm -hmm. waffle. And so it makes for a higher protein breakfast, which we know supports our blood sugar. And honestly, like my family just genuinely enjoys it. Maybe some people wouldn't enjoy that as much. But, you know, those little tweaks that we might make to one eat enough through the day but also just think about what's on our plate and how those different food groups like protein can keep us more stable throughout the day yeah so when we can be intentional about where can we add to our meals where can we add to our day how can we fuel ourselves so that we feel good and that our blood sugars are supported that's going to help us lead into a meal feeling you know that comfortable hunger but not ravenous and then that sets us up in a great place to approach the meal exactly how we want um and you know we see this cycle a lot with restricting and binging so we restrict we restrict we restrict um that's a tongue twister um (laughs) and then we end up kind of setting ourselves up up for failure really by binging because that's your body's natural response to not being fed so you know it isn't a personal downfall of yours or a lack of willpower if we are not fed early throughout the day we're not eating enough um, we're not supporting our body our body is going to capitalize when we do get the chance to eat which might be that christmas meal when hey there's a ton of food and then we kind of just don't feel great after eating it mm-hmm. yeah i think this tip is so key like if we could just pick one tip I for this podcast so it would be this. Yeah, I think it's, I love seeing that like kind of light bulb moment go off for clients <laughs> when they're like, oh, if I just like add this to my meal and like balance it this way, that just impacted my day as a whole. So I love that, Hannah. And then my third tip is a little bit different, um, but it's to say yes to leftovers. So I love leftovers personally, but I also think why should the good food stop after the Christmas party, right? So if there's an option, kind of make a point to take some leftovers home. And this is for a few reasons. One, of course, let the party keep on going, keep the good food rolling, but also it can actually help us take away that novelty of those Christmas foods. So when we're going to our Christmas meal, if we're thinking, hey, we're only getting blank this one day of the year, and man, we better devour it because who knows when we're going to get it again it can really set us up to eat past the point of enjoyment past the point of fullness and to not feel very good physically or mentally after versus if we kind of are intentional and we go in with the hey you know what I'm going to take some of this stuff home because there's almost always leftovers with Christmas that means I can enjoy it now but I can also enjoy it again tomorrow and maybe the day after that too yeah Yeah, I absolutely love what you said about removing some of that novelty because as we said there are a lot of foods that are you know special to the holiday season that we don't get all year round but if we're only allowing ourselves to have it one time it does create Mm -hmm. like that power dynamic with food where we're more likely to perhaps overeat it when we do get that single chance in the year so to kind of you know as you said reduce the novelty by enjoying it the next day I think it puts us in a position to actually decide, hey, do I want actually want this or is it just feeling novel and yeah. like I have to have it? It's kind of that like scarcity mindset I see where, right? It's like, I'm never going to get this food again, but by allowing yourself to have it continuously if you mm-hmm. want, exactly, it just creates that much more of an empowering opportunity for you to choose when you want it and when you don't. Yeah, and why stop at just a couple days after the holiday? If there's, you know, even like a piece of baking that you find mm-hmm. like, Every year, you just find yourself overdoing it on that baking. You know, it might be worth making that, grabbing that recipe and making that 
thing yeah. a couple times throughout the year. So it isn't just something only to the holiday where you do feel like you kind of have to eat, eat, eat. Um, and it's just something that, you know, becomes part of your normal routine. And that's a pretty common tip I give to people who struggle with certain foods or overindulging in certain foods is actually, although it seems counterintuitive, probably the best thing to do is to integrate that into your diet more often. Mm. My next tip is to make a plan to navigate diet talk. So Hannah, what is diet talk? Like I know we're talking about nutrition tips, but what's the difference between, you know, supporting your body and understanding food versus like that diet talk or diet mentality? Yeah. Sometimes I think, you know, it can feel like a bit of a gray area, but when you actually break it down, it's pretty clear what is diet talk and what is more, you know, new, like talking about nutrition and nourishment and where can we add. And that's what we really kind of take the approach of at vitality versus diet talk is, you know, maybe overly focusing on where do we need to restrict? What new diet is Aunt Karen doing today? Like, are we doing keto? Is Atkins making us lose 10 pounds? All that. And so I think, you know, for everybody, it might be actually a little bit different of what is kind of where they need to set a boundary. You know, for myself, I know if somebody started talking about the keto diet or being overly restrictive, um, that would be for me a boundary where I would not want to engage in that conversation. But if we were kind of talking about, hey, some really cool new recipe we tried or a new restaurant or something like that, then I'd be totally all in on that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I say to make a plan, I think that, you know, a failure to plan is a plan to fail a little bit. Um, so if we are working on our relationship with food, I really suggest to go into the holiday um, get-togethers with a plan. So setting boundaries might look different for everybody and they might come up at different times. However, I think that if you have a plan, you're going to be much better set up to feel better overall in the holiday and to kind of navigate those family experiences. So for some people, it might be actually stating to whoever is talking, hey, this is actually not something I'm interested in talking about, or right now I'm working on my relationship with food, so I'd prefer if we don't discuss this while I'm around. It might just be redirecting the conversation by, you know, bringing up some new Netflix show you watched um, or maybe something that was going on at work before you had your days off. It could even just be as simple as staying silent and let the conversation pass. And I think with this one is really important and can actually be really impactful, even though it might seem like we're not doing anything. Um, and where I say this is because, you know, we're not a sponge. We can decide what we're going to take in and we can decide what we're going to kind of tune out and allow that to be somebody else's thing that they're saying. Um, so I think that one can be really powerful, especially if you're not comfortable, you know, making a statement to your family, which is completely fine. And then the very last one would just be excuse yourself from the room. Lots of holiday gatherings, lots of people, lots of things to do. Maybe if that conversation isn't serving you, you need to go wrap gifts, you need to go to the washroom or whatever. So Hannah, what you said about like not being a sponge really landed with me. And I think like for, you know, this diet talk or maybe talk about our bodies in a self-deprecating way, some of this is handed down like generation to generation. So people might be saying these things without even realizing how problematic or harmful it can be. So I know for myself personally, like 
perhaps the way some of my family members talked about food or their bodies was something I kind of picked up as a child and embraced as my narrative. But as I grew older and I started to work on myself and do more personal development, I realized like that narrative actually wasn't mine. That's not, you know, how I wanted to think about food or how I wanted to feel about my body. So I was able to not be that sponge anymore and, you know, think for myself and create a bit of separation from that diet talk and, you know, stay silent, as Hannah said, and know, you know, what's true for me and how I want to think about food in my body. And and that might be different based on the learning and experiences I have and other people might be in a different place. Or maybe they even just had that narrative handed down to them from, you know, their parents or their family, and they just haven't done the work to kind of move through that mentality. Yeah, Courtney, I love what you said about doing the work, because I think it truly is work. And it takes time to heal our relationship with food, heal our relationship with our body and come to a place where we're more neutral about it. Um, And, you know, I often say to clients, you know, your negative thoughts around food and your body and all this wasn't developed in a month. And so we can't expect for it to all come crashing down in a month and you feel totally hunky-dory and no issues are ever going to come up again. Um, But really, it's taking those first steps, taking those small steps and It's a very active role that you need to take to challenge your own narratives um, around diet culture, around your body and things like that. But I can promise you that in the end, that work is so worth it. Yeah. And I know for me, it's that shift from being stuck in the thinking and a victim of the thinking to shifting to that place of being the observer, which is constant work. You're going to have these thoughts that still come up and we just want to observe them and kind of choose the thoughts that are in alignment to this like new narrative that we're building for ourselves or this new relationship with food. And yeah, like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. But if we can be in that place of observing our thinking, we can be, you know, not feel like that victim of our thinking and, and start to shift to a new reality for ourselves. Yeah, totally. And so I will just say to end this point is that, you know, at the end of the day, even if we do all the work in the world on our own food relationship and our own relationship with our body, um, we can't control what other people say. Um, And so it comes back down to us being strong and true to ourselves and not being that sponge. Or maybe if right now in your journey, hey, it's actually too hard to separate yourself. Maybe it's one of those other boundaries where you ask not to talk about it, or you just leave the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My final tip is, no matter what you ate yesterday, you deserve to eat today. Mic drop. <laughs> Love it, Hannah. Love it. Love it. Yeah, so I think that, you know, ingrained in all of us sometimes can be that we overeat, now we need to restrict or make up for it. And really, at the end of the day, food is a necessity for life. It's a necessity for enjoyment, for performance, for everything. And so it truly does not matter what happened the day before. Start your day with nourishing your body, making choices that make you feel good. Um, and I can guarantee from a personal perspective, I definitely no, I will end up feeling uncomfortable, I'm sure, at one point in this holiday season from a big old meal and extra dessert. But the next day, I know I'll make it a priority to still eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely think that like the any guilt we might feel mm-hmm. overeating is far worse than, you know, feeling a little bit full from a meal. Our body knows what to do with that energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as Hannah said, the best thing we can do is just move on, continue eating, continue fueling. If we get into that restrict yeah. mentality, we know what happens. We talked about what happens after that. Mm-hmm. 
So if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to learn more, we actually wrote all of these tips out as a blog post. So if you head to vitalitynutrition.ca and hit the link for our blog, uh, you can read more there. Thanks for spending your time with us. To further fill your plate, follow us on social media using the links in our show notes or visit us online at vitalitynutrition.ca. And as always, we welcome your ratings and reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay fed, stay moving, and stay well. Produced at Sound Lounge by T-Bone. Just going to White Christmas. Oh, guys, I had a career in musical theater, if you don't remember. Okay, hit it. Yeah. I didn't know that. No, I can't. Stop. No, don't stop.